You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. You turn to the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis. We are talking together on Wednesday nights about the great doctrines of our faith and and their relevance for our lives. So we've kind of... um, Road in some deep water, kind of talking about some different items and, and different uh, doctrines, and it's going to be no different tonight. I'm just going to give you a uh, a warning on the front end. I'm going to say some things tonight that are considered very, very controversial in our culture. Very controversial. But here's the interesting thing. 70 years ago, the things I'm about to say would never have been considered controversial. So something has changed in our society that would take these things I'm about to share with you and, and see them in a way that is controversial. So just that's kind of setting the stage. We'll get there. Uh, but but uh, we, we've got some things to say, and, and we need to set the record straight by going back to what the Word of God actually says. There's a lot of discussion out there, a lot of conversation about a lot of different things, but our, our, our final authority... For faith and practice is the Word of God. So we're going to go back to the Word of God and ground what we believe about humanity in the Word of God. So in this study of the great doctrines of our faith, we're taking, taking the doctrines kind of category by category. We begin with the doctrine of revelation, how God reveals himself to us. We talked about the doctrine of God, who God is, what God is like. And now we've made it to... The doctrine of humanity. After we talk about the doctrine of humanity, we'll talk about the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of last things. we got a lot of, a lot of ground to cover. But tonight, I want to talk to you about humanity. And we begin this portion of the study last week. So I have the first two sentences there on your sheet with the blanks filled in. That'll kind of catch up to speed from last week. But last week we said... That we are created in the image of God. So we talked about what it means that men and women are created in the image of God. And, and, and it means that we all have intrinsic worth and value uh, before the Lord. And then we talked about uh, the reality that you and I are created with physical and spiritual characteristics. And I, don't, I looked at that today. I don't really like the word characteristics. I don't know if that was the, the right word to use so scratch it out and put components. And I don't even know if I like that word, but but we're created with 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 physical and spiritual realities. We have physical bodies, right? But but our personhood also consists of an immaterial uh, portion in that we have a soul, we have a spirit, we can relate to God. Even when our bodies die, we continue to live in eternity. Uh, if we're Christians, when we die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our, our soul goes into the presence of Jesus. So we're created with physical and spiritual characteristics, components. I don't even know the best word to use there, but, but different parts of who we are. Now, number three. We're talking about the doctrine of humanity. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible teaches we are created male and female. We are created 
male and female. Look what it says there in Genesis 1, verse 27. This is right after God says, let us make man in our uh, image, after our likeness. And then in verse 27, uh, the Bible gives us some more details about God creating humanity. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Notice there the distinction. Male and female. Very, very clear. Uh, Now, fast forward to chapter 2, where uh, the Bible goes a little bit more in depth about the creation of man and woman, male and female. Look what it says in chapter 2, verse 15. Chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, who we know as Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. Now I wonder if if Adam started to kind of clue in on this. So the animals are coming, God's bringing them before him, he's naming them, he's like, that's a hippopotamus, and that's an elephant, and whatever language he was speaking. Uh, He was naming the animals, and, you know, he's probably noticing at this point, there's there's two of them. There's a, 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 you know, male animal, female animal, but I'm all by myself. So look what it says. It says, The Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So this would be the first wedding, if you will. And it says there, the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So we see the details about how God created man and decided to create humanity, male and female. So he took uh, Eve from his, or took a rib from Adam and created Eve out of his rib. So, what do we learn from this? As we, as we look at this creation narrative and factor in all that the Bible says about this, what, what do we learn? First of all, God created men and women equal. There's no indication here that, that one of the genders has um, superiority over the other. God, God made them both. They're Man and woman are both created in the image of God. So there's an equality here uh, that is important that we understand because any discussion of gender should start with the fact that men and women are made in God's image. We are, are equal in God's eyes. One is not more valuable than the other. And we should, of course, uh, recognize that. But here's a second reality related to gender. 
God in His perfect wisdom created men and women different that they might complement one another. God in His perfect wisdom created men and women different that they might complement one another. There is uh, no question here that Adam and Eve were made differently. One was a man, one was a woman. And we see that Adam and Eve began to have children starting in chapter 4. So he made them different so that they could uh, have children, so they could reproduce. And there is differences in Adam and Eve. In fact, I heard one preacher say that when Adam first saw Eve, he said, Whoa, man, that's where we got woman from. Because when he looked at Eve, he knew there was, hey, something's different. And I, and I kind of like it, right? Something's different here. He recognized the differences between himself and uh, Eve. And so, whoa, man. And God, this is all God's idea, right? There's no certain group or, or, or party or, uh, or organization that came up with the idea of gender, it goes all the way back to the first book of the Bible in the Garden of, of Eden. Now, here's what I find interesting about a lot of the discussions that take place in our day and time. When you talk about something like global warming, you hear people say, science, science, look at the science. It's all about science, 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 science. Or you talk about vaccines or whatever. Science, science. Look at the science. Study the, It's all about science. Science, 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 science. But now when you talk about gender, we talk about everything except what? Science. Now, there are scientific, biological differences between males and females, right? I mean, it even goes to our Chromosomes. Biologically, men are created with an X and Y chromosome. Women are created with two X chromosomes. And these chromosomes are really amazing. They're these kind of thread-like structures in the cells that carry genetic information and genetic coding. And, 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 and science says, science says that men and women are different because of their chromosomal makeup. And also, biologically, and this is science, this is, you know, this is ninth grade biology or, you know, Freshman year of college biology, men and women are created with different organs, right? I mean, we all we know what we're talking about here. We, we are different, and that is science. That's not opinion. That, that's, biology tells us that, that we are made different. And yet there is this, this discussion in our current culture that is, that, that is coming like a tsunami for Bible-believing Christians that says, well, you know what? I may have some biological realities, but I'm going to identify something other than my biology. And, and what's happening is it's wreaking havoc. In fact, I, I read a a story recently, and it's just a, just a reminder of how we've lost just kind of common sense. And I read a story, and it was about the, the national organization that oversees all competitive swimming in the United States. So they oversee the Olympics and the Olympic teams and, and all of that. 
And I don't know if you are aware of what's happening, but if you're, if you're, if you're looking at some of the news, there are, there are people that are born as biological males that say, well, I don't identify as a male anymore, I identify as a female. And they decide to go compete against female swimmers. And I don't know if you saw what happened in Connecticut last year, but there were some young ladies in high school swimming who were state champions the year before who got beaten by biological males swimming against them. And so people are coming to the organization that oversees competitive swimming, and they made this statement. I, I didn't bring it with me, but they made this statement, and, and the statement is trying to walk the line between political correctness and common sense. And they basically said, we want to be inclusive of people from all different backgrounds and different identities, and, and we want to recognize that as, as people... Uh, you know, bring that to the table. But then it said, but we also recognize there are competitive differences between males and females. So we're going to appoint three, three physicians to study this further and come up with a recommendation for us to follow as a, a, a national organization of competitive swimming. We've lost our mind. You know why? I mean, let's just, for a moment, let's just take Genesis out of it. Science. Males and females are made differently. They're made differently. And we know why they're made differently because of what the Bible tells us. And so this is a, a raging discussion in our culture today. And again, to say the things I've just said to you in the last five minutes would be considered very controversial in a lot of circles in our country. But 70 years ago, no one would have blinked an eye. They would have said, well, amen. I mean, yeah. Common sense, pastor. Of course males and females are made differently. We, we, but we've lost our mooring. We, we're, we're detached from, from truth, and, and we're, we're kind of making up the rules as we go as a culture, and anything goes, and it is, it is wreaking havoc. Wreaking havoc. And there are a lot of other uh, illustrations I could share. But I want to answer this question, because I think it's, I think it's a real question we're going to have to answer, and, and we're going to have to deal with this in our, in our families, extended families, in our, in our relationships, in our neighborhoods, in our churches. We're going to have to deal with this issue, and here's the question I want to answer. And again, it's going to be very controversial, but I think it's a biblical reality. Is it a sin? Is it a sin to choose another gender or to identify as another gender that is different from the one that you were born with? Is it a sin? Is this wrong? Should we tell people, you shouldn't do this? And the answer is, yes, it's a sin. And let me tell you why. I'm not being ugly, but let me, let me tell you why it's a sin. Because you are rebelling against your Creator. God chose your gender. He made you in a certain way, and he knows what he's doing, right? God doesn't need our assistance or our help. He makes us in a certain way. And so uh, if we are going to embrace our creator, then we would say, you made me a male, I'm going to live as a male. You made me as a female, I'm going to live as a female. And, and, and we should embrace that and appreciate that God knows what he's doing. But to just choose arbitrarily a different identity is, is to rebel against the creator. I read a story, my brother sent it to me, um, I think it was last week, and when he sent it to me, I thought it was a parody, I thought it was a joke. 
But let me tell you how far this identity thinking can go. This is a true story. You can look it up. In Minnesota, in, in some of the, the schools in Minnesota, they have placed, listen to this, litter boxes in the bathroom for those who identify as cats. It's a true story. So where does it stop? You see what I'm saying? If you just start making up the rules and, and lay aside how God created you, then there's no, there's no ending to it. It's going to get crazier and crazier and zanier and zanier because we've lost our common sense, because we've lost our mooring to the truth. And so the Bible is very, very clear that we are created male and female. Let me just say a quick word. There are people that really struggle with this. Maybe because of their upbringing or because of things they've heard or things that they've been taught and there's confusion. I, I, I just want you to understand, I'm telling you, in Fort Walton Beach, okay, there's, there are people really struggling with this. And, and when we come across folks that are struggling, we need to come across, uh, we, need to, we need to enter that conversation with compassion, okay? We're, I'm, I, I'm not here just to hammer folks. We, we want to talk to them and take them back to the truth because a lot of these people that are struggling with identity maybe have never even laid their eyes on Genesis chapter 1 or 2. They just have no clue what the Bible actually says. So when we engage somebody that's struggling, we engage them with love, compassion, but we don't back away from the truth because we're not doing anybody any good to back away from the truth. Right? I mean, if we, if we can't tell a, a, a teenager that they're not a cat and they shouldn't be using litter boxes, then what can we, what can we speak on with, with any kind of authority or common sense? Do you see the issue there? And so uh, we are created male and female. Now, again, just kind of reset your thinking on this. Remember, 70 years ago, this would not be controversial at all. So what's happened? Has the Bible changed? Has Genesis chapter 1 and 2 changed? What's changed? The culture's changed. And so, listen, this is just one of many issues. Christians have to make a choice. Right? We're either going to stand on the unchanging word of God and believe the, thing that Christians, the things that Christians have been believing for thousands of years, or we're going to lay this aside and accommodate to the culture accommodate the culture and give in to every wind and wave of belief. we got to make a decision. And I'm telling you, the Bible says Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. We are called as Christians to stand on the word of God. Compassion, love, Patience, yes, but we are called to stand on the truths of the Word of God. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll what? Fall for anything. Fall for anything. And so that's the second reality. We are created male and female. God is perfect wisdom. Created men and women different. They might complement one another. Uh, number, number four. We'll move on from that. Or more I could say, but let's just move on from that. Number four. We are created with purpose. Our creation is not haphazard. God has a purpose in that. Genesis 1, verse 28. God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
have dominion over the, the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the Bible is clear that God made the heavens and the earth. And he created earth to be the perfect, the perfect environment for human flourishing. For humans to, to live on and to survive in. And, and he tells me, I have a purpose for placing you on the earth. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Have children. I want your children to have children. I want you, I want you to multiply, fill the earth. And I want you to exercise dominion. To, to rule over the earth. To, 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 to create and, to, and to, to, to build and design and increase technology. And, 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 and live in a way that is... Is helping humanity to flourish on this earth. We are created with purpose. God commands humanity to oversee and fill the earth. That's it. Oversee and fill the earth. There, there's a, a stewardship there. We're called to be stewards of what God has given us. And, and I don't get into all the climate um, change debates and all of that sort of thing. I mean, I, I think that you can get, you can get out of balance on, on different sides of that discussion. But here's what I know. Uh, Christians should lead the way in caring for the, for the environment because God gave us stewardship to, to, to exercise dominion over it. And, and so we don't want to get crazy, but we want to be good stewards of, of, of where God has placed us and what God has given us to do. So we're created with purpose, oversee, um, fill the earth, um, uh, and, and, and do what God has called us to do. That is humanity's purpose. Anytime you see, even among unbelievers, you know, somebody like a Steve Jobs, uh, by all the accounts I've read, I do not believe that Steve Jobs was a believer. He may have made a late decision in his life, but Steve Jobs uh, was instrumental in, in founding and leading um, Apple, and we know all that's come from Apple. You got iPhones and, and Apple Watches and, and you know the whole deal, iPads and iMacs and MacBooks and, and, and the whole deal. And, and even though he was not a believer, uh, the creativity he brought to the table was amazing. And, and that's, that's just a, a picture of, 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 of man taking what God has given them and, and building and creating uh, with the, the, the materials of this earth. That's what we are called to do. We are created with purpose. Now, of course, in the midst of our creating and filling the earth, he wants us to come to know him personally. And so it's a tragedy if you live this life and don't come to know God personally if you, if you live this entire life on, on this earth and don't come to know the Creator through His Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the major purpose. God has placed you here to have a relationship with Him. So we are created with purpose. Number five, we are fallen. Humanity, we, we are fallen. Over in Genesis chapter 3, look there with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Now, we're fast-forwarding. There's the whole narrative of Satan taking on the form of a serpent and slithering into the garden and tempting Eve. And it says there in verse 8, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. So notice that word saw and that word desired and that word took. She saw something. She began to desire it in her heart, even though God said, It's not for you. And then she took. Those same three words are used over in uh, Joshua chapter 7. You remember the story when uh, the Israelites tried to defeat a small little city called Ai? And Ai just 
won a major military battle against the Israelites. They'd been, they'd been overthrowing Jericho and all these major uh, powers. And, and this little tiny, uh, tiny town called Ai defeated them in battle. And Joshua says, what's going on, Lord? Why did, why did we lose that battle against this small little town? And the Lord says, because someone in the camp has done something I've told them not to do. He said, when you go and overthrow Jericho, you don't take things for your own personal possession. But there's a man named Achan who took some of the possessions of Jericho and hid them in his tent. He took them for himself. And the same words are used. Achan, he saw, he desired, and he took. And that's what sin is. We see something, we begin to, to mull it over in our mind and heart. I, I want to do that, even though God told me not to or... Or, or, you know, God for, forbids me, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Before you know it, you're desiring. Before you know it, you take and you sin. And it all goes back to the pattern of Eve in the Garden of Eden and then Adam. Because Adam did the same exact thing when Eve offered the apple or the fruit. It doesn't say apple. The fruit uh, to Adam. So what, what's, what's happening here? Sin entered the world through the original sin of Adam and Eve. So here's what that means. Three things. First of all, sin causes separation from God. At the end of chapter 3, God kicks them out of the garden. Remember that? you got to leave. It's a picture of sin separating us from God. Over in Isaiah 59, the Bible says that sin makes a separation between you and your God. Because of sin, he hides his face from us. So sin causes separation from God. We are far from God in our sin and lost and hopeless. Not only does sin separate from God. Oh, by the way, why does sin separate us from God? Because of who God is. God is perfect, right? Habakkuk says that God is so pure he cannot even look upon evil. So when we, when we sin against a perfectly holy, righteous God, that sin, that impurity separates us from him. We cannot be in his presence with that sin in our Life. Sin causes separation from God. Secondly, sin corrupts. Sin corrupts. I mean, right after the Garden of Eden, you get to chapter 4, and all of a sudden, Cain starts hating his brother, Abel. Where'd that come from? Sin in the heart. You see, everyone, now listen to this, everyone that's ever been born, aside from Christ, since Adam and Eve have been born with a sin nature. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and we were all born with a sin nature. Cain and Abel were born with a sin nature. And we begin to see sin corrupting to the point where a brother hates his sibling. And you keep reading through Genesis, it just gets worse. I mean, in fact, it gets so bad that God just floods the entire earth and starts over with Noah, Right? Really bad. Why? The corruption of sin. Sin corrupts. And then third, sin brings disastrous consequences. Cain hates Abel. One day out in the field, Cain murdered Abel. Murder. And again, you see the consequences of sin play out. I mean, why, why did Jesus say that until he comes back, there will always be wars or rumors of wars? Why? Sin. Sin. Sin has is, is, is infiltrated humanity. We're all born with the sin nature. And because of that, there's conflict and there's hatred and there's evil and there's violence. And it's, it's everywhere. Sin brings disastrous 
consequences. And this all goes back to the Garden of Eden. So, what do we know about humanity? We're created by God. We're made in His image. We have intrinsic value and worth. But something has gone terribly wrong. That something is sin has entered the world. We live in a fallen creation. Or say, Pastor, why are you going to leave us there? That's kind of depressing. Well, there's a fifth or sixth thing here I want you to see. Even though we are fallen, we are loved by God. Isn't that awesome? God knows all of our issues. God knows all of our sin, all of our rebellion, all of our mistakes, all of our uncleanness. And yet he set his love on us. He loves us. We are loved by God. Look back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Even right after the fall, God has a plan that was already in place. God knew this was coming. Nothing takes God by surprise. Adrian Rogers used to say, has that ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? He knows everything. And he already has a plan of redemption in place. And this verse, verse 15, is called the Proto-Evangelium, which means it's the first gospel, the first preaching of the gospel, the first, the first statement that there's redemption coming. Look what he says in verse 15. I will put enmity, he's talking to the serpent here, the Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. There's coming one, and you will try to, you will try to afflict him, and you'll try to stop him, and, and you'll, you'll bruise his heel, which speaks of the cross. But when he dies on the cross, that's going to be your mortal blow, Satan. He's going to, he's going to crush your head. One is coming who will give victory over you, Satan, and over sin. This is a, a, a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ who would come to this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, fully God, fully man, would die on the cross for our sins and then rise from the grave victorious. And so we're loved by God. This plan is in place. God had a plan of redemption before the foundation of the world and he is actively carrying out that plan. He's actively carrying out that plan. And the plan is Jesus. That's the plan. If you want to sum up the plan in one word, it's Jesus. John 3.16, one of the first verses that we learned. So wonderful. For God so loved the world. Let me tell you what it means by world. It means you and me, fallen humans. People that have blown it big time. He loves us. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave who? His only son. What's his name? Jesus. He gave his only son that whosoever should believe in him, place their faith and trust in him, should not perish, but should have everlasting life. God's plan of salvation, summed up in one word, is Jesus. God sent his son. To die for all of our sin and rebellion. To to die for all of the, the things that we have done or the things we have not done that God's commanded us to do. Jesus died and took the punishment we deserve. And so even though we are fallen, we are loved by God. So let me tell you what that means. Just We're talking about the relevance of these doctrines for our lives. It means that that no matter who you encounter in this life, No matter what they're going through, the depth of depravity that they are in, there's hope for them in Jesus. Amen? There's hope. There's hope for you. 
you're a sinner, and if you're a believer, you place your faith in Christ and we're forgiven. There's hope for others as well. Why? We are loved by God. And just I would just say this, that love, that love from God for us is undeserved. We bring nothing to the table. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He loves us even though we don't deserve it. And he loves us so much he sent his only son we are loved by God. And so, what do we, and this is just kind of a quick overview of the doctrine of humanity, but what do we learn? We are created in the image of God. We are created with physical and spiritual components. Still got to get a better word than that. Lee, think of a better word than components. Uh, we are created male and female. We are created with purpose. We are fallen. But oh, the glory. We are loved by God. God. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news. And that is the doctrine of humanity. So there's more we could say, but uh, we will end there tonight. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.